for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Sorry, guys, it's been a little bit of a crazy weekend. I had to take a break, and then I did a podcast, and I took another break, but I was on the road, and my internet was really spotty, so I did what I could with what I could. Um, but we are back, and we've got podcasts all through the rest of the month, so make sure you're tuning in and checking out Live and Amplified. Would really appreciate it. But today, for day number eight of the 25 Days of Cheer, we have Jimmy from The Big Lawn. How's it going today, Jimmy? Hey, Tom. How are you? Doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's it's getting cold here. I'm a little jealous because I understand it is almost, it's like summertime by you now. We're just coming into summer. So, yeah, it is December, isn't it? So, yeah. You yeah. can kind of see sunshine outside. It's 2.30 in the afternoon here, so... I'm pleased to duck away from work and come yeah. and talk music instead of working. <laughs> I got you. I was, I was like looking at outside and I'm like, it looks really warm out there and I'm jealous because yeah. it's not yeah. quite as warm here. Yeah, about 22, I think, 21 degrees, something like that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It does get down to zero in snows and stuff here in the winter. We're right down the bottom of New Zealand in a place called Dubitin. So, yeah, it's light till 11 o'clock at night in the height of summer and that sort of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I completely get you. Um, so first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time away from work. You know, it, it's really weird because when I started doing the podcast during COVID lockdown, not a lot of musicians were working. And so it was like 2.30 here, 3.30, you know, like whatever it was. And it wasn't a huge thing. But now as things are starting to semi get back to normal, it's kind of like, Oh, people actually work during the day. That's what yeah. people do. Yeah, I would be a professional musician and not have to work. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not always the case where you're lucky enough to be a full-time musician. But, you know, yeah, got to respect the hustle, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the journey. Yeah. So first off, uh, before we jump too deep into everything with your new album that just released a little over a week ago, um, can you kind of give everybody a background on yourself and uh, like a little bit of peek on what got you into music? Sure. Um, the Big Lawn, I guess, uh, we've been going for probably two and a half years now. Um, we're a kind of a, a collective of, of musos that have been playing around and about in Dunedin and New Zealand for a wee while. Um, and we kind of uh, felt like we had something to offer if we jumped together as a group. I kind of went out and asked a bunch of guys who um, I really respected um, as musicians to come and, and, and join me in a band. I had a bunch of songs that I felt like I was ready to start to, to try and roll out and play with. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough that these guys um, said yes, you know, like they're friends of mine, but, you know, musically you've got to agree too. So, um, so yeah, that, that was, um, that was the first kind of step to get the big lawn going, but, I guess for me, musically, I'm, well, for music like everyone, I've watched a few of your podcasts and I see, you know, everyone sort of says that they had music in their lives from such a young age and it's kind of true for me as well. I'm no different, you know. My dad was um, was a guitar player and, um, you know, did a few talent quests back in the 50s and 60s and stuff like that and he was into his old-time rock and roll, you know, Buddy Holly and from Lubbock, Texas, I believe, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Roy Orbison, Elvis Frehley, Elvis Presley, um, Everly Brothers, stuff like that, old-time rock and roll. We had this awesome old radiogram in the corner of the house that had the flip-top lid, you know, and all the albums lined up. And I can remember as a kid just rifling through them and constantly playing different albums and, and getting absorbed in all that rock and roll harmony and rhythm, you know. Yeah. Um, and I just it was just inspiring to me. I just thought it was incredible and, you know, like the Everly Brothers and their harmonies and, you know, and then trying to get a grip as I got older, I guess, on, on what that meant 
at the time and what it must have been like to experience that explosion, you know, of yeah. um, and change of music. And uh, I guess from a long way away in New Zealand, that's really fascinating, you know. Yeah. And um, to have such an amazing amount of awesome musicians come from quite a centralised place as well. You know, I guess we kind of, from our perspective anyway, over here, we didn't really see that again until maybe the Seattle scene from, from my upbringing and growth, you know, when all of a sudden yeah. that whole Seattle scene exploded and it was like, wow, there's this place. But all of a sudden, you know, something in the water there that's just, that's awesome. And then as you get older, re researching and, and learning about it more. But yeah, it's that old time rock and roll and playing guitar, listening to dad play guitar. And then um, when I got to secondary school, high school, I'm not sure what you guys call it, like when you're 15 or whatever, 14, yeah, 15. Yeah, it would be high school. Yeah, yeah, high school. I've been playing a lot of sport as we do in New Zealand. We're, we're quite a sporty little country. And um, and I kind of discovered the drums. And it was kind of like this combination between activity and rhythm and, and sport and music as well. And it kind yeah. of seemed like quite a good natural crossover. Yeah. And um, I think I was probably a little bit shy as well. Didn't necessarily be out the front too much. So I got into the drums and started playing the drums. And that's where kind of everything started to kick off with bands and stuff. Awesome. From that awesome. Yeah. In uh, high school, what kind of uh, sports were you playing? Uh, well, we kind of dominated by cricket and, and a rugby union over yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was mainly mainly cricket and rugby. But yeah. Okay. It was fun. I was the only guy in the sports teams and in the and in the school choir as well in the concert band. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I both camps, and I loved it. You know, I loved doing both. I didn't want to really give up anyone. But then when I got to university and got into my 20s um, and started getting more serious into the music, I decided that yeah, music was where I wanted to be and I didn't want to get an injury playing rugby or anything. So, um, And there's less fitness involved as well in playing music. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially playing drums, that's probably the most active of the instruments as far as having to have multiple body parts moving and because you got to be able to have your both hands going plus if you're running a single kick or a double kick you know just whatever it's amazing yeah. it's like you're resting on just two cheeks you know and you're yeah. just going for it yeah i'd love to be a double kick uh, merchant but i'm not really but um you know guys you see guys that really go for it and bring the energy proper mm -hmm. and god it's a workout that's for sure yeah no yeah. wonder they're always sweating at the end of the set. Like, yeah, yeah. Dead tired. Yeah. My butt. Give, give the drummer his due. Yeah. yeah. My sound engineer that does a lot of our uh, solo acoustic uh, like recordings and mixing and mastering and all that stuff, he's a drummer, and I've seen that guy go from work. He works at a like a recycling plant where they collect like aluminum and all that stuff. Um, yeah. yeah go straight from that and then do an entire three hour set and just be completely drained at the end of the night. Yeah. Like yeah, you do. Have... yeah. Physically, physically yeah. drained. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, doing those cover sets and stuff. If you're doing three hours of or three or whatever covers, you know, and you really want to bring the energy, it's hard to keep that really cranking, especially if it's yeah. rock all the way or something, you know, yeah. all the way through. Who, yeah. Who are, who are some of the uh, drummers that you look at, for inspiration or who were you like inspired by when you were starting to really look into the music scene? Yeah. Right. I mean, from a drummer's perspective, it was funny. Like, um, I had a, a friend at school who was an amazing guitar player and, um, he was right into Van Halen, um, at the time. And I'd never heard of them. I'd been, um, more sort of into, um, at that stage, I was more into Beatles and the Rolling Stones and, and I guess that early rock blues and in particular um, the doors, I guess, which John Densmore is one of my, probably my all time favorites. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I, they showed me Alex Van Halen. He had like five gazillion toms and 15 kick drums. And like, he was just, <laughs> he was just doing everything. It was incredible, you know? And, and so for a while there, I was kind of like, wow, I really want to be able to do all this flash stuff. And so I kind of went down that path for a little bit, but then I, kind of realized that um, all I ever really wanted to do as a drummer was just just find grooves and sit on them. And and I, so then I became much more of a um, blues-based drummer. And I think, you know, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't rock, um, because I do like to hit the drums reasonably hard, um, then it would, it would be blues that I would, I would do. And I'd quite happily sit behind a blues 
a bluesman. And in fact, I have done many times down here, um, you know, sit behind blues bands and just sit on grooves and just mm. and just enjoy the ride and love it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that, that's when I sort of really feel the drums the most, I think, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You, was there ever any point where you thought maybe you'd go into a different instrument or was it always drums the entire time? Well, yeah, I mean, it was drums for a long time. And I, and I played in the band down here. We had our kind of our, our little bit of local success as a, as a youth for a while um, in my early 20s. And um, and I was a drummer in that band. And, um, you know, I thought that I was never going to do anything else. But then I went traveling overseas. And I, of all places, I ended up in South Korea in okay. Seoul. And um, I was teaching English there. And um, I just, it was really hard to find a drum kit. But the only place I could find a drum kit was to go down to like a, like a uh, like they had um, the video kind of arcades and stuff yeah. where you have gaming machines. Yeah. In South Korea, they have these little booths with drum machines in them, and I guess it's like you know, like like what's that guitar game you can play? Uh, guitar Hero. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that, but it was for drums. And so I'd get in there and I'd hit um, smells like Teen Spirit or something like that just to have a bit of a, a bash out on the drums. Yeah. But I didn't couldn't really play. There was no kits around, so. I ended up going down to the guitar market or going down to the local markets. There's incredible markets, um, yeah. secondhand gear, like and there's shops just full of guitars and it was just such a playground. But um, found this shop where we, we bought about six guitars, I think all for like $10 each or whatever. And, oh, wow. and tried to do some of them up and fix some of them. And some of them were good and some of them weren't. But, um, and I started playing a lot more guitar. I had always played guitar yeah. because dad taught me. But, and then um, just really wanted to always wanted to write songs and so started writing a few songs there and started playing live at this little bar in this place called Itaewon which is where like next to the um, US Army base mm -hmm. right in the center of Seoul and um, found this little bar called Bar Nana and um, <laughs> and started playing sets there and um, a mix of covers and slowly starting to introduce more original stuff and that's kind of where I first sort of put my neck out and started playing guitar and singing mm -hmm. um, and I guess it kind of evolved from, the, from there I got a bit of a kick out of that and kept going so now with the big lawn yeah I'm playing guitar and singing um, which I'm enjoying but I certainly still love playing the drums that's for sure yeah gotcha gotcha awesome yeah. so um, let's go ahead and jump into your new album that released two Fridays ago right 28th that would be two yeah, Fridays ago whenever that was. Yeah. yeah a week and a half ago maybe Yep. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm like, I, I, can't I can't comprehend time anymore. Just the lockdown is screw, screwed with my it's, head it's so much. Yeah. Everybody here that I'm speaking to um, at work and around, you know, around the traps, they're all sort of saying that I just feel like exhausted at the end of this year and they really can't wait for a break. Yeah, seems exacerbated on other years. Everyone says it at the end of the year this year. So. Hey, before yeah. we jump into your album, have you guys started playing? Uh, are you guys starting to see live shows come back at all, or is that not quite happening? No, live shows have been back for a while. In fact, we had our album launch uh, on the night that we launched it, and um, had a rocking good night. And um, you know, bands are touring and and um, and still doing stuff. So there's no real restriction on okay. um, on gigs or numbers or spacing even at yeah. gigs so oh, really, wow. lucky, really lucky well, I mean, coming in from overseas that's all yeah i mean mm. that's like i mean being the fact that you're on an island and there's no real way for you to get there without coming on an airplane or a boat they can mm. really monitor who's coming in and they're not letting anybody in regardless so it doesn't matter so. yeah and you have to do quarantine so you're compulsory two weeks and unless you're a New Zealand citizen, you have to pay for it. So I don't know what it is, two and a half, three grand or something for two weeks oh, in a hotel. Yeah. To stay quarantined. Yeah, before you're allowed in. So we've got touring sports teams coming over here to play because we can have crowds at games now as well, yeah. which is pretty cool, you know? Like, so we've got touring sports teams that are on lockdown. The Pakistani cricket team just arrived and had 10 people with COVID and were on lockdown for, I don't know how many people they had on COVID, but they had quite a few. So they've oh, been wow. restricted. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. It sounds like a lot of these uh, events that are looking for places to go play need to uh, hit up New Zealand and start heading to New Zealand. Pay for quarantine, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, mo most of them are paying to isolate. 
isolate teams and players and whatever. Like if you're thinking the UFC and all them guys, yeah, you know, they're they're isolating. Yeah, regardless, they're building so, fight yeah. camps and. And it's New Zealand dollars. It's not US dollars, so it's yeah. <laughs> it's going to be half price again, almost. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so you a week about a week and a half ago, you launched uh, Silver Spoon. Yes. What, what what's kind of the uh, story behind this uh, album? Okay, um, I've I just a bunch of songs that I had um, that I've been writing over the years. Um, last time I was in a band, I was playing in London in a band over there, and um, and then I came back to New Zealand, kind of gave music a rest for a wee while, and a few songs built up over that time. And then when I got together with the boys, I started writing a few more. So it's kind of a mix of a few older ones and a few a few newer ones, but. Mm -hmm. um, we headed up into the sticks to a studio that's um, on a on a vineyard in land in New Zealand, a uh, place called Kurau, and um, this guy's redone uh, his old shearers' living quarters. Mm -hmm. People shear sheep, and um, and he's done it into a studio, and it's beautiful, um, and it's got a really nice acoustic in it. It's a um, it's a great space. He brought over the mixing desk from is it Brick Road Studios in Dublin, I think. Mm. Brick Road, where U2 and David Bowie and all that recorded in, in, in Dublin and completely refurbished this whole desk and he loves his vintage gear and, and all that. He's a great fella and we did all the, all the basis of it there and then sort of spent the next, I don't know, eight months really doing all the bits and pieces and getting everything else down when we could, when we could find time and when our engineer had time as well. Um, we were lucky to get the services of a, of a really good local engineer um, Who's, who's doing well in his own right. So we had to sort of work around his time frame and his schedule. But yeah, we got come out with with um, with nine nine or ten tracks and and um, something that we're you know we we see as a first step on a bit of a journey. We're just sort of getting to know ourselves a wee bit and working out our sounds. So I think there's a bit of eclectic stuff in there. Like it's a bit of a mix. It's not all the same. So there's you know, the new album, I've already written the next album, so we're starting to rehearse that for the first time tonight, actually. We're going to go and sit down and start playing some of that tonight. Sweet. So that's really exciting. It feels like it's freshening up again, which is good. Yeah. And uh, Silver Spoon is the first full-length album under the big one? That's right. Yeah, we did an EP a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. um, which was kind of um, more of a solo effort, really, um, with a few guys that I got to come in and help. Mm -hmm. um, and then the big lawn kind of formed after that proper, I guess. Yeah. Um, until it's, it's current incarnation. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that uh, for Silver Spoon, some of the songs you had previously written, some of them were newerly written with, uh, with the band. Uh, how long have you actually been working on the, or at what point did you kind of decide to start working towards this album? Was this something that's been in the works since you've released your EP or is this a more recent project? Yeah, it was a goal for me to get into recording an album as soon as I could after doing the EP. Mm -hmm. um, things always seem to take more, longer than you think, don't they? But yeah, um, but yeah so um, I only, obviously there's, I mean, I've, as a songwriter, as any songwriter, knows, you know, there's a whole bunch of songs that sit in the background, but you kind of pick and choose the ones that suit what you're doing with the guys you're playing with. And so we kind of selected that group of songs and just, um, and just went for it, working those out. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. So I mean, there is a there is similarity, but there's also some some difference. You know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I get you. Yeah. When it comes to your uh, sitting, when it comes down to writing and your creative process, are you spontaneous with your writing? Like, are you one of the musicians that you'll be driving down the road one day and a song will hit you and all the, you'll get inspired to write or are you able to be very militant with it and say okay i've got to work from this time to this time then from here to here it's the kids and like you're very scheduled yeah, with yeah. everything yeah. Well, i had the luxury, kind of your, yeah. I had luxury sitting down and doing that um you know to sit down and write like i think there's a different kind of um thing happens yeah. when you actually get to pull yourself out of your life for a while and just find some space and play and just let yourself like I'm tend to be a, a guitar first kind of person. Like I really like syncopations and, and the way that chords kind of work together. I'm not a, f um, a flashy 
uh, as such kind of lead guitar player. I'm, yeah. I'm more of basic riffs and power chords and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we have Dave in the band who who's really wonderful at adding color as a lead guitar player. But, you know, I, I find that uh, if I get time to just muck around, I'm just really comfortable now letting stuff, whatever comes out that I find that I like. And it's a funny, something, I don't know how to, you know, like any crowd, I don't know how to explain it, but you get that this point where you come up with a riff or something and you, all of a sudden you just dive down that rabbit hole and you just go. And it's a wonderful thing when you're not conscious of it, for me anyway, and, and you just all of a sudden start flowing into a, 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 a pattern or a way mm-hmm. and, and start singing. And I'm quite, you know, I'm always just singing um, garbage over the top until I can find my melody mm-hmm. and more often than not. And then I'll go back to my, to my poetry um, that I've written in the past or even just brain dumps that I've had about certain feelings or certain things and just pull out what I want from those and twist and change it to sit with that melody that I've got in my head. So I'm a, I kind of make my lyrics fit my music a bit more than the other way around, really. And that's just always been the way for me. I really admire people who can, who can write a, a, a poem or a, a bunch of verses and then just go and write music to it. Like, I think that's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing you know, how you do that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, for this album, the I believe the lead single lead single was Radio Waves, right? That that was kind of the lead single off. Um, what was it about that song that was kind of like, ooh, this is going to be the best representation of the album? What made you choose that to kind of be the lead? Yeah, it's funny. I um, <laughs> I'm um, I learned to play the drums to like you know when we we're saying about drummers before. I learned to play the drums to like ACDC and um. And um, and rock, you know, like and, mm. and roll and and guys like that, and um, you know, loved what they were doing. But I just love that. I love the driving rock side of of what we do. Yep. Um, and when I got together with Blair, who's um, our synth and sampling kind of guy, I really, I mean, I wanted him into the band because I really wanted to not just do an ordinary rock album. Like I know that I'm a bit of a sucker for a four piece, you know, sort of rock outfit from back in the day. So I kind of wanted to introduce more sounds, you know, I, I do like things that, um, you know, like Queens of the Stone Age. I love what they do with, with the way they play with color and tone and sound and, you know, um, and I'm a Jack White fan and, you know, like, um, or even like placebo and, and some of the, and, and Brit stuff, you know, mm-hmm. as well. Um, um, so the radio waves with that. And when he added that intro for me, it kind of gave it a whole new, mm. a whole new, depth and yeah i like the idea of kind of 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 rocking a bit more and i think the, the songs that are coming out now and being written now are, are in that more of a rock vein or a bit more driving than than the mellower side i kind of spit the mellower side off and let that sit in its own right and just do that occasionally sort of solo or in in, in venues around town or whatever just occasionally just to just to be in touch with that acoustic yeah. side and that, yeah. yeah, and that, which I still love, you know, absolutely. And, you know, I'm a sucker for the blues and old country and, and I'm like, I like so much different stuff. So I don't see why I should be restricted to one kind of avenue, but yeah. answer your question. Yeah. I don't know why radio waves really, it just felt like a good groovy tune that hopefully people might be able to, to latch onto me a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's, perfect that's that's a good response um so you also have a music video out for radio waves yeah yeah, yeah. correct or yeah. are you not really considering it a music video well it's funny because i had a, a music a video shoot all lined up um and we have this um this cool place just north of Dunedin where i live it's about an hour away and it's called Oamaru, um which is a, a, a maori name but they have um a steampunk museum oh wow there which is really cool. You know, it's, it's not that big, but it's mm. so much time and effort's gone into it. And it's kind of got that crazy kind of eclectic punk, obviously, you know, yeah. mechanical machine kind of thing and lots of old TVs and old dials and stuff everywhere. And I just thought that would be perfect for radio waves because radio waves is kind of, you know, a little bit about what we're getting fed, yeah. you know, over the, over the extra. And, um, you know, we see a lot of Trump and we see a lot of that sort of stuff coming through to us, you know, of what's happening around the world and what, how media is affecting the way people think, you know, I guess being a small country, we see out a lot. Um, 
Yeah, so anyway, that was where that came from. I thought the steampunk would have been great, but the whole thing fell apart because my cameraman um, got a much higher paying job, came through and just couldn't do it on the weekend that we needed to and we were running out of time. Gotcha. So I decided to go and find public domain footage and just mash it all together myself and make a try and make a video. And that's... I thought you were going to say because of COVID, it got... No canceled but no not because of COVID. Oh, he got a higher paying job and i can't blame him he's a friend and he was he's a very good filmmaker yeah um he's an award-winning documentary films rhinos and stuff oh. in africa that kind of thing like he's oh, wow. a wonderful filmmaker but um yeah yeah when you call on friends for favors and stuff you kind of got to know that you're a second film <laughs> yeah you know it, it's one of those things where it's like it's always great to have those guys that are like award-winning filmmakers and like have this big career but are still down to earth enough to come and do a project for a friend or, you know, whatever. And it's wrong. Then again, it's like, what if they get that big job or that big pay or the, the big pay, um, big paying gig, you got to kind of step aside. Like. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard, you know, like, and we're a small country and a small, so for him to get decent jobs and, uh, you know, it's not easy making money off the off anything creative um, when yeah. your audience is, is so small and you're not so close to that next step of actually cashing in a wee bit. Um, yeah, it's um, it's I guess it's the it's the age old story of New Zealand musicians in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a it's a challenge for yeah. us. Yeah. And like, I mean, that that's one thing that I'm learning because I mean, being from America, it, it's kind of like. I didn't know a lot outside of this country as far as like how music scenes worked, you know, and like all that stuff, but I'm like, just, all right. So this this hadn't been public knowledge, but last week I made it semi-public knowledge. We started doing a rock radio show. Mm. Yeah. I saw that on your feed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, Saturday, this past Saturday, so two days or three days, holy cow, three days ago, um, we did the, we recorded the pilot episode and the the station kind of wanted us to keep it local to their area as far as like the musicians that we used. And for me, it's like, I work with so many musicians from everywhere. It's going to be almost impossible for me to just kind of pick in this small area and so each of us picked four songs and three of the four songs I picked were musicians from either New Zealand or Australia. <laughs> really? So it was just one of those things where it was like, these guys, like all these musicians are so good that I have to showcase them. So, well, you know, it, it's, that's oh, one thing yeah. to kind of circle back around. That's one thing I'm learning is how much talent there is out there. And the fact that, some of these guys just aren't getting the look or the exposure or the, you know, the whatever. It, it's it's a shame. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. I mean, there's just so much music out there, isn't there? Like, there's just so much being produced now. Yeah. There's a studio everywhere. You know, everyone's got the, the cream will always rise to the top. Yes. Here, yeah. Here's what I'll say: mm-hmm. is the cream will always rise to the top. The people that are work that are willing to work for it and just keep going they'll rise to the top and at the end of the day talent's going to win out Mm. you know Mm. like i mean yeah you're going to see those people that don't really have that much talent but they just keep getting the breaks and the you know whatever but those are so few and far between where it's just Mm. like the talent i'm going to say talentless hacks but that that's kind of a that's kind of a uh rough term to use yeah They, they don't stay on top for long yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I guess it's one of those things, isn't it? The more um, creation you have going on, the cream that does rise is is extraordinary cream. <laughs> yep. You know, absolutely. So, and, and and I, you know, I just love, you know, I love the fact that I can tune into the likes of your show and pick up on artists that I never would have had the opportunity to hear about, especially yep. where I am. Um, you know, by the time stuff gets to us, often it's so filtered. I mean, the internet's changed that, hasn't it, to a yep. degree? But you know, it's great to be able to, to, to go down different rabbit holes and find different music. And yeah. you know, I think what you're doing is awesome in that respect. I love it. Yeah. It's my, it's my favorite thing to do on a Friday, like especially during COVID when we weren't able to go out to shows. My favorite thing to do is, oh, I got a podcast with 
the the James band making up bands right now. Yeah, I'm going to go look them up on YouTube. Okay, cool. They got a song and just keep going through the recommended list and see yeah. what's recommended yeah. next and going down that rabbit hole. It's yes. always interesting. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find, don't you? Yeah. But, I mean, that's great that you're, um, that you're playing some uh, music from all over the, all over the world, you know, like <laughs> that. And, I, and we often joke down here, you know, like Dunedin is a funny wee town. We, we are known as one of the more creative cities in, in New Zealand, I guess, you yeah. know, arguably. Um, but there's, a, that, that, there's always the comment, like, you feel like you can throw a stick in this town and you'll hit a songwriter. You know, yeah. like they're, they're just, <laughs> there's just so many people playing and writing music and just, just doing it for the love of doing it. Yeah. And uh, that's a whole other thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So are you a born-raised New Zealand or are you originally from New Zealand or what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, am. I, I was born in the North Island, a tiny little town um, of about 40,000 people, Whanganui, mm -hmm. um, on the West Coast. Um, and I moved to Dunedin after I'd been traveling overseas a wee bit. I came back down here and I met my, my future wife, and um, she's from down here. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and so I ended up staying here. I'm skirmishes away all the time traveling yeah. until um, we started having family, but yeah. Okay. I, I was just curious because you'd brought up that you'd done a lot of traveling. You were in South Korea, London, you know, just all these different places. And so I didn't know if maybe you were over from Europe and then moved to New Zealand or what the situation may have been, but. Yeah. So one of those things in New Zealand is a culture and you probably talked about it with other guests, but um, where we, we really feel like, I mean, we have a phrase for it. OE, obviously experience. We all, we yeah. try and go overseas and, and London's the most popular place to go. And there's so many Kiwis in London. You can almost go to, there's a couple of suburbs where they kind of live, like they almost yeah. own the suburbs. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, there's like a, something like a fifth of our population traveling at any given time overseas. Pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a remarkable, you know, sort of adventure, rite of passage thing that kind of happens for us. Mm. Yeah. I got you. I guess different scale in the states I, I wonder you know when you've got so many states they're all like different countries a little bit are they in the, in the way that you move states and you yeah. feel like you've you've traveled halfway across the world in a way yeah. if you <laughs> you move from texas to california you'd surely you'd feel like you've moved a fair distance oh, yeah. all right i mean just to do um just to do the radio show right now like the radio show that we're getting ready to launch in january um, I'll be traveling eight hours every six weeks to go record shows. Wow. And that's, that's just to the next state over, which is New Mexico. Yeah. And to see my parents, it's, well, they're down even further south now. So I don't, I think now it's going to be like 24 to 26 hours drive just to go wow. see my parents. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. You can travel half of New Zealand in eight hours, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's well, that, that's kind of how it is in the East Coast. Like we were talking uh because I used to live in New Mexico where we're doing the radio show deal. Um uh, and it was always the joke, New Mexico is so big but so desolate that you have to drive three hours to get anywhere. Yeah. You know, so it's like where yeah. we were at in Roswell, New Mexico, it was three hours to Albuquerque, three hours to Las Cruces, three hours to, you know, just the bigger cities, like if I needed to go to like a specialty store or a specialty doctor or anything like that, you're going to Lubbock, you're going to Albuquerque, you were going to El Paso, three hours yeah. away. Yeah. And my, uh, my engineer made the joke. He's like, man, this is completely different from where I grew up because three hours, you'd be five states away because he grew up on the East Coast where all the states are jam-packed tight. Yeah. 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 He's like, you travel three hours, you're five states away. So Yeah. I, I do have some kind of reference, I guess. When I was eight years old, mm -hmm. um, my dad, mum and dad had a motel um, and they sold it. And we did a three-month journey across the U.S. in a camper van and back. Okay. From L.A. all the way to New York across the southern states and came back across more of the northern states way, nice. way back an incredible experience. I feel so lucky that we did that. And it's amazing how much you can remember, you know, even yeah. as an eight year old, like I remember, you know, that area, the New Mexico and Albuquerque yeah. and, yep. and going through Phoenix and stuff, and, yeah. you know, and, and all the way through and then coming back and going up, you know, 
oh, it was just incredible. And it's just such a vast country. You know, like yeah. it's just it's hard for us to get our heads around because we're just used to if we want to go to the beach, it's five minutes away. If we want to go skiing, it's three hours away. Yeah. <laughs> we can be anywhere we kind of want to be in a matter of a few hours. We, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. and traveling across the country is something that I haven't technically done. At least yeah. from like from like LA to New York and back, like that's not a trip I've made, but I've done it from Florida up into Montana. So like oh. the South, I've kind of made that trip. That's um, quite a yeah. But the east to west or the west to east coast and then back, that's the where you'll see the most diverse nature. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 So well, I mean, because I remember, we, you know, it's such a a kind of a, a romanticized thing that whole American road trip and stuff. And we have our own version of that here, but, but reading Jack Kerouac, you know, on the road and stuff like that, and just, you know, having that desire to, yeah. to jump on the road in the States and, a, and just, and just drive yeah. and drive and drive. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. You know it's, it's soothing. Like, I mean, at, after a certain point, it's just kind of like, all right, I want to stop. I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when you when you're fresh and you're just kind of enjoying it, it's really soothing. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, yeah. You, know. you always have too much of something, I guess. Huh? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so kind of moving forward with the music, you're actually out playing shows right now. How's the uh, crowd? How have the crowds been since uh, post uh, COVID lockdown? Yeah, uh, it's um, it's there's not that much difference to be fair. Um, it was for that period we were in like a, a semi-lockdown state where people were had to sit at tables and had to have table service and weren't allowed to move around so much. Yeah, that was in a short period of time really, and now it's kind of back. It's back to normal, so um, we're pretty lucky, really. I mean, our venues aren't huge. We have this dynamic in in New Zealand, I guess, with with bands that are playing their own music and and trying to, um, I guess, take it out to people mm-hmm. where there's no kind of um, mid-range um, performance venue that is able to be populated with crowds unless you're a certain level of, of um, media visibility, really. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have pubs and bars that hold, you know, 30, 40, 50, 80 people. Yeah. Um, and we can, we, can, we can fill those up. Um, but the next level... Um, to go and fill a venue of say 150, 200, 300 people for an original music band is a band is, is virtually unheard of, and there just aren't those venues. They just are not financially viable, and it's a real shame. And this, and from being in London, um, you know, the dynamic was different. And I and I came back from London and started organising a few gigs, taking the London, or what I'd learnt in London at least a little bit about promoting gigs, and how there was promoters over there that actually promoted localised shows mm-hmm. whereas here there's no one that's overseeing that stuff it's with the band, one band gives another band a call and says hey do you want to do a show on such and such a date yeah cool um who's going to do the poster you know yeah. <laughs> and who's going to put the facebook event up and that's about the long and the short of it um yeah so but they had this these, these guys that would would have bands on their bill and they would you would have to sell 20 30 40 whatever it is tickets mm-hmm. in order to stay on their bill and, and then they would slowly bring better and better bands in that had better selling power and they would increase their profile as promoters. And that yeah. just didn't happen. And I'm not sure if that's what happens in the States or or not. But it, And I sort of brought that back a wee bit in New Zealand, but I found that some of the New Zealand bands just couldn't really get their heads around the fact that they had to be proactive themselves about selling tickets and getting crowds. It was like, we're the band, you're the promoter, you bring the crowds. You know, It's like, well... You need to bring your mates to start things and start yeah. that momentum happening. Yeah. So, I found it a um, a little bit tiresome trying to punch that model out a wee bit. But it was I could see how it worked quite well yeah. in, in in London. Yeah. yeah, so that was interesting. That was an interesting experience. Gotcha. Which you already answered. One of my next questions was being that you. Tra- I'll go ahead and ask it, and then we can just kind of move on. But being that you've traveled so much how has that helped you kind of improve your music? Like just pulling from different cultures. um, It's it's interesting. It made me realize, um, especially living in in London, because I've always had in New Zealand, you grow up and you think the rest of the world is so far away and 
all the big artists and all the people that are making this, you know, fantastic music overseas and the production's so great and you feel like it's a million miles away and that it's effectively almost unattainable. And by the time you've done the hard yards to get your band really sort of cranking and get really tight and ready to take it out, you know, you've actually got to get up and go, okay, well, unless I get really lucky with something that's super radio friendly in New Zealand and manage to get a bit of a leg up, then I've really got to go to Australia as the first protocol. And so you'll find that Kiwi bands are off to Australia and, and doing the Australian circuit. And there's some, you know, some bands that are doing well doing that, that people in New Zealand don't even really know that much about. But because is, it's not even worth them chasing an audience so much in New Zealand, the niche is not there for them. So is the radio still very much king in New Zealand? Like as far as... It's hard to get into that top. Like we have New Zealand, we have a, a, a great system where there's sta uh, stations must play a quota of New Zealand music. Okay. So I think the of that whole thing where Kiwi bands just weren't getting exposure. No one knew about them. And so they started adding in um, quotas and that quota goes up, I believe. And if there's any, um, if I've got this wrong, forgive me, but in May we have National Music Month where that quota is higher mm -hmm. and really have to push out more local music. So there's some great things and people toiling really hard in, this, in the music industry to help that happen. But there's just not the population, I guess, to, um, you know, for musicians in New Zealand to be financially, really financially viable mm -hmm. aside from other things. And I remember reading, a, listening to a podcast a, a number of years ago about saying there's only three or four or a handful of musicians in New Zealand that actually make money yeah. from being, in a band and being musicians enough not to have to work other jobs, writing jingles or doing whatever they might be doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's just too small a market. So we have to push out wider, but that's, yeah. of course, it's a bit different. Um, I mean, I do think, like, not knowing the New Zealand market beyond the few conversations I've had with New Zealand artists, but I, I do think there's a world where, yeah, you're not going to be pulling in millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, but I think there is a way for a lot of musicians to live comfortably doing nothing but music in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. But it's just a matter of finding what that is, whether it's musicians start taking more gambles on themselves and going to them, the bigger venues of 100, 200 people and just yeah. renting it and selling the tickets themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it, it's just kind of one of those things, but somebody's got to be willing to... Yeah, I think yeah, I think there's there's definitely a because I think back to you know the '90s and 2000s and so forth and seeing bands and I think there's definitely more happening now. Yeah, as, oh, yeah. A, as um, in the sense of, of that awareness of, of supporting local talent and realizing that the t local talent is there. Mm -hmm. A lot of I think perhaps back in the day that outward looking um, viewpoint was that if if it had to be from overseas to be really really world-class and you couldn't have that locally but i think that's changed now and, and you know there's an enormous amount of respect for um lots and lots of of kiwi musicians and kiwi bands from new zealanders themselves and some wonderful wonderful songwriters and musicians here you know um it's, it's awesome yeah um but yeah it's oh well you know i could go on for ages but it's you know yeah. i'm not complaining in that respect like we've got to you've got to go and get it like you said before those that really try and keep going and pushing forward um, and the ones that really believe in themselves, they just need to keep doing that. But sometimes, perhaps, and perhaps more traditionally, but we have to move out of New Zealand in order to, to, to really. create a little bit extra momentum, yeah. I think. You know? And I, learned, I guess I learned that in London, you know, and, and those are places that you think you're miles away from actually getting crowds and, and, and perhaps getting some form of, yeah. of interest. Yeah. Um, and you actually realise you're closer than you think. Yeah, you know, and we got on the bill before I left. I mean, we were really excited. We got on the bill with Alabama Three um, uh, in London, in Brixton, and um, I just went, "Wow, how on earth did we end up here?" You know, um, it was and it was through the promoter and the fact that we brought enough people to our gigs and we created a little bit of a following, and and that was helping him to pay his bills out of one of four bands or whatever five bands on the yeah. on the bill with Alabama Three. So we were like, "Wow, this is so cool," you know. Um, so you kind of realize that it's, that it is achievable, but yeah. it's hard to believe that sometimes when you're in a, an environment. Oh yeah. No, I, I completely get it. Do you, yeah. do you think the reason that some band or that bands feel like they have to go outside of New Zealand, find success to come back to New Zealand to have success 
Right. Yeah, I worded that correctly. Do you, do you think that's be like a validation thing? Or why do you think that is? Why do you think that's the thing? I mean, it's a really good question. Tom. Um, you know, I think that people, New Zealanders, New Zealand bands know there's a ceiling mm-hmm. in New Zealand of how far, you know, and then when you see guys like Neil Finn, you know, do what he's done or, um, you know, and even Lord in recent times and so forth, you know, done what they've done and gone far out. If you, if you, if you go out and get it, you know, maybe you can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just think, I think it's more a case of feeling, feeling like we're not really giving it everything if we don't go out there and, and get it. Hopefully, the the world of information technology is kind of changing that. Yeah, well, I, I mean that's that's one of the things about the internet in general is it's making the world a smaller place or more at least more accessible. Because mm. so, like without Facebook and YouTube and a little bit of can do attitude, I wouldn't know half the ban- bands that I'd know now. Absolutely, I, I wouldn't know any of the bands probably. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you've just got to make, as a musician, you've got to make that effort, don't you? To, um, because we haven't got managers, band managers and so forth here. There is not that, that um, tier of, of skilled um, people. There's, not, there's no money in being a band manager yeah. in New Zealand. So you have to manage yourselves pretty much um, or find a friend who's willing to, to yeah. sort of be a part-time manager. And, I, and that's, I mean, yeah. to be fair, anywhere in the world, there's really not that much money to be had as a band manager on the independent level. I can only imagine. Yeah. But you know, there are people that are doing it and they're making efforts and like starting stables of artists, you know, all that fun stuff. Mm. But I just kind of right now it's interesting to, and I'm kind of interested to see how it's all working for them. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing I guess is that we, I guess we need to learn from what people are doing overseas yeah. um, and the way that people are promoting their music online. And I've, I've got, I can see artists in town here at the moment that um, I could pick a couple that are just absolutely, they really are the cream at, at you know, the top. And um, you know, I'd love to be able to help them. You know, sometimes you just want to help them, but I don't, I wouldn't know how to, where to start myself really. Um, you know, reaching out online is about as far as I can um, start to manage. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> knowledge yeah gotcha yeah so Mm. i want to be respectful of your time because it is the middle of the working day for you so i don't want to take you too much take too much more of your time away from work and uh the rest of your day uh what's what's kind of the plan moving forward i know you'd mentioned that you're already got the second album written do you have like a tentative date when you want to start recording that or is it still very fresh and like what's kind of the plan moving forward yeah it's still pretty fresh um the songs are are, um are still very much in their infancy the 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 core of them are there um and i think it's nice when you've got a bit of momentum and you've and you've reached a goal and you've done it that you can keep that momentum going we just love playing music together you know like i guess we've been i mean we're not 21 anymore i mean we're not hopefully not past it either but um you know we we just love playing music and i guess we've been doing it long enough now that that's what we know we love doing. So we just want to be making music and, and um, if people are keen to share it with us, then awesome. But so yeah, we'll just, we'll just get into practicing and, and um, take a bit of a break through Christmas. We, everyone, everyone closes down here for our main summer holiday for quite some time. Um, and then we've got some gigs um, lined up through that period into, into February and so forth. So um, that's about as far ahead as we've booked at the moment. And we might, we'll just keep trucking with those and then hopefully get into the studio, I think maybe next spring, which would be our November, September, October, November. Nice. Yeah. Maybe I think in 21, I'd, I'd like to get in and do the other album pretty soon and just yeah. keep going. I, I, Cause I know that I'll probably have another one written by then. So I'm just keen to keep moving. It's when you're enjoying it, you yeah. just got to make, you know, you got to keep going, don't you? And do yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, that's, we'll just keep tracking. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Well, what before we leave, before we kind of wrap everything up, it is the holiday season. So as a musician, what is your favorite, or I guess not necessarily as a musician, but what is your favorite holiday memory from when you were growing up? My favorite holiday memory from growing up? Yeah. Wow. 
Are you talking like as a school memory or um, musical memory? <laughs> uh, I, originally, I was going to say musical memory, but musical memory. it doesn't, oh, okay. it doesn't yeah. really, because that like narrows it down way too much. But so just like in general. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the, the most memorable, funny, um, it's not necessarily funny, but I mean, we were playing a, um, a, a show um, on the back of a truck for New Year up in Wanaka um, in the 90s. And I remember we played, we didn't take a break, we played for two and a half hours, just all original material. And it was um, a very hot and sweaty night. Um, it was a good crowd. There's about 5,000 there. And um, I remember our, um, our lead singer jumping up on top of the truck and um, in his music madness, just diving straight off the top of the truck, like 20 or 30 feet. And I just thought, oh my God, <laughs> I just sure hope that crowd doesn't part. Um, but yeah, that was a very, very funny night. Uh, and the following night, I think um, we were inside the pub and um, the whole crowd came right over the top of the stage and just floored us. And we had to um, stop the gig because um, the whole, all the band gear got crushed and, and we all got swamped under a big sea of people. So um, that was a quite a mad, um, a mad wee weekend of New Year's memory, summer holiday music madness. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, as far as finding you online and finding your new album and your, uh, or your current album, your new stuff, you know, all that fun stuff, where can people find you online? Uh, so yeah, all the streaming services as um, or platforms, the big lawn. Um, we do the Bandcamp thing, which is um, you can um, obviously buy the album, download, and and through um, Apple Music and so forth. Um, and also we've got our website, the Big Lawn Music, I think it's called. Um, the big no, the Big Lawn um, But yeah, just and Facebook of course as well as we our main channel of comms. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Facebook is where you're uh, most active for the most part. Pretty much, yeah, the website doesn't get a lot of attention, to be fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, mainly social. Yeah. But you know, the website's a good thing to have, and that's the one thing that I've been looking at. Like, I'm we have our own website, I've, um, but I've been trying to build it more as a social meet, its own little like social community type thing. So yeah. because right now, operating strictly Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, we're relying very heavily that we're not going to piss them off and they're mm. going to go, Oh, yeah. Yeah. your band, you know, that whole thing. And, and there's not much, it takes a long time to come back from that too, because if they yeah. do mark you for any reason, often incorrect too. Yeah, absolutely. Pain. Yep. That's exactly it. So yeah, it, that, um, that's kind of where we're headed with our website is to turn it into like a yeah. social, its own little social platform. But yeah. You know, did you build it on, on Wix or something like that? Or? Yeah. Wix. Yeah. 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 Weeks is really good. I enjoy it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nice and easy to use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, once again, thank you so much for giving us time to sit down and chat. Um, thank me you. on. Mm. Thank you everybody for tuning in, and we will catch you guys later. <laughs>